Alright, man, welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 211. Jason Lingren is with me, and we have a special guest, Dr. Bear Lando. For those of you who are familiar online, probably be just referred to as Dr. Lando or Bear as we go through the thing. The episode image will give you a way to search back if you want to try to find them. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good morning, Crow. You know, this one is going to be exciting for me. We're going to cover some spagyrics, probably. But also Walter Russell, which I have mentioned many times, but never really met many people who had covered Russell. And here's what happened. Uh, Walter Russell wrote a book called The Universal One. And as fate would have it, about a year before I bumped into that book, and it literally by chance, I had determined for myself that the periodic table needed to be challenged and that there was only one force in the world, and that's electricity. You can't show another system of any kind that free of electricity will work in any meaningful way. And as a result of that, I had already come to the conclusion that magnetism is an offshoot, or as Walter Ruster puts it, I think he calls it the daughter. Uh, electromagnetism is the daughter of electricity. And then a year later, I found Russell. Uh, it's quite a thing. The book, The Universal One, if I remember correctly, was completely an MD or some kind of doctor was so taken by the work, he footed the bill to publish this beautiful hardback book, uh, which was not cheap to do with no intention of making money or anything else, just simply to get the information out. All right, Dr. Lando, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me. I was uh, telling Jason earlier, I've been a big fan of your show for a long time and uh, a member of your site. And uh, one of the very few things I actually listen to uh, with regularity on the internet, you guys just cover a lot of topics that are near and dear to my heart, have a lot of great guests. So I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for that. And it's so great to kind of get away from all the nonsense going on in the world for an episode uh, to bring a little common sense. Now, truth be told, I was, you could hear the frustration creeping into my last couple episodes that we did. It's just overwhelming the number of emails and everything else. So to get away and have another adult conversation, um, I'm into it all the way. Where would you like to start here? Do you want to give people a little background on yourself just briefly? Well, I know credentials mean a lot to people. Uh, so I'll just mention a little bit about my journey through academia, even though I take it less serious than any other <laughs> experience in my life. You know, I started out as a pre-law and uh, pre-med major dual, and then my I went through uh, school on a, a Division One A football scholarship and uh, used that to get myself through college. And my last year of eligibility in football, I was already in graduate school and uh, had a completed graduate degree in psychology. And then I taught that for a short while in uh, in uh, university level. Uh, I really didn't have that great of an interest in psychology, to be quite candid, but the university where I was at was uh, next to a great ski resort, so I wanted to justify staying there for a couple more ski seasons. <laughs> so so anyway, uh, from there, I went through uh, certification at Stanford Medical School, not as a medical doctor, but it gave me, uh, they had an experimental technician course that uh, allowed you to work in teams you know, delivering full ER skills out in uh, extreme conditions, kind of like a mobile mash unit. And then I used that for a few years and actually worked as a um, paramedic firefighter in Northern California. And after that, uh, you know, I intended uh, originally to just finish up my MD and, and operate that way. And I felt after that that I had, uh, you know, 
basically what I wanted out of medicine. I had, uh, you know, just good hands-on experience, developed some good skills, which I'm happy for. And, uh, but, you know, my real background being in sports and I've been a lifelong martial artist and uh, surfer really is my biggest passion. You know, I was always very grounded in my body. And I'd say that the, the real reason why I continued on in medicine was uh, because like in my sports career, I always uh, wanted to, you know, get the competitive edge. So I was studying nutrition and things back in the 60s when I was playing, you know, just to, you know, before it was fashionable and studying uh, all the, the nature paths of the time, like Pavo Arola and all the icons in the field. And that's also uh, what led me to go into uh, less conventional schools of college uh, medical training. And uh, naturopathy was my kind of natural progression after Stanford. And uh, in naturopathic college, uh, my area of emphasis of study was Chinese medicine and homeopathy. And then uh, after that, I wanted a stronger background in musculoskeletal medicine. So I finished a doctor of chiropractic degree and I became a diplomate in kinesiology and um, I've studied, you know, many postdoctoral certifications in osteopathy, uh, meridian therapy, Chinese medicine. And, uh, you know, I tie it all together these days and for quite a few years with uh, waveform mechanics, which is by way of Walter Russell, because, you know, I always had an eclectic approach because I just didn't find that any one school, even in the alternative realm, didn't provide all the answers I was looking for. And uh, I always tell people I learned more from surfing, I think, than any of the schooling I did because you're out in the elements and, you, you know, you're, you're learning how to just sync up your own neurology with those elements waiting for a set. And then, uh, you know, just intuitively knowing when to take off, uh, you know, make a bottom turn and, 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 and know exactly where to be at all times. And so it takes you completely out of the mental plane. And the same thing with the internal martial arts, you know, you just... You just learn to operate on a whole different level. And Walter Russell, of course, uh, teaches that the downfall of uh, contemporary science was when we divorced philosophy or brought, uh, or uh, let's just say, um, remove the creator from the equation. So we have this one side of the equation, science, that goes into external side effects uh, without really understanding the cause. And so, um, you know, a lot of my training that I did in all those schools was really grounded in, in practical things, uh, you know, using my own body. And then also, you know, we uh, own and operate a permaculture farm. We grow our own medicinal uh, herbs that we use to make spagyric medicines and a lot of other things. And so when you're farming, it, it gives you the same kind of visceral experience and just connection uh, uh, with nature and gives you the ability to observe nature and of course, all the great ones of all time have always uh, admonished us to not reinvent the wheel, but just observe nature and then mimic her, her ways. And so that's uh, pretty much what we do. And uh, Walter Russell uh, is, is provided the final element in my life that uh, allowed me to tie it all together. And, uh, you know, in a lot of my metaphysical studies that I always had a um, kind of a tendency to go down that road, you know, I studied intently with um, one of the best teachers in the world in anthroposophical medicine, as well as, you know, Asian medicine, where they get in, they 
They talk about energetics and things. And in those schools, of course, you're using cultural metaphors from, uh, you know, foreign cultures when, and, and you're using metaphysical concepts. And intuitively, I always got those things. Uh, but then there's this disconnect when you're from the Western world because your mind is overactive and you're trying to decipher, you know, what you learned uh, on, on the mental plane with those concepts and metaphors. And uh, when I found Walter Russell, he just pretty much got everything in alignment. And I, uh, you know, at once understood exactly what all these people really meant. And it's really the connection between what we think of as empirical science in this part of the world and metaphysics and other parts of the world uh, so that we can really, um, you know, for those of us who are a little more analytical, we can explain exactly how metaphysics works and, and, and explain what other people have known for all time. I got to say, why on God's green acre didn't I meet you sooner? Uh, I'm going to be excited to do this. Now, for logical reasons, I think what we'll do is we'll get into Walter Russell. This first hour goes out to everybody, and we'll start to get into Spagyrics for hour two because there's quite a following there. Um, the membership at Crow777radio.com who have delved into Spagyrics. So I think maybe that's the logical way to do it. And my reasoning here is that I'm guessing a lot of people have not heard of Walter Russell. And so I'll make a recommendation. People are always asking for books. If you want one hell of a read, Walter Russell's Universal One. It's available in most places. But what's cool about the book is there is diagrams. And I feel the same way as you do, Bear. When I first found that, I was like, holy smokes, there's an adult human being in the world who's not afraid to logically challenge all these things. I'd had enough. By the time the periodic table got up to Berkelium and Einsteinium, um, I was already aware that Einstein would probably be better described as an actor on a stage, but I'd had enough. And I knew that these things had divorced themselves from nature, and it was almost like science was making everything dead, like this just a thing to be weighed. And when you get into Russell, um, you start to find out that there are, in fact, logical ways to look at this world that make a hell of a lot more sense. And the periodic table does not miss his gaze, does it? So where do you want to jump in here with Russell uh, as it might relate to your field of expertise? You know, the periodic table might be the place because uh, starting with high school chemistry, that's where my whole science career started. And of course, we're taught that elements are distinct um, entities in nature. There's, uh, there's gold ions and aluminum and silica and everything out there that, uh, you know, is uh, diagrammed on the uh, periodic table. You know, with Walter Russell at once, uh, you know, he teaches that there's only one substance in the world or in the universe for that matter. And that is pure consciousness. Uh, you know, he likes to refer to it as light. And then when that consciousness and, you know, we can call it universal consciousness, you can call it the spirit that moves through all things, God, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm kind of non-denominational myself. And, and of course, uh, you know, when you do live in nature and, uh, you know, study and, and observe nature, you see these patterns from universal consciousness operating in, in your face all the time. Uh, it immediately sets your own neurology in a nice, balanced, calm state. And a lot of the problems in the outside world just kind of disappear. And Walter Russell is one of these individuals that even though he would, had an amazing intellect, he always came from that place of inner still. And he, you know, with that one universal substance that he talks about, 
which is pure consciousness, that is stillness, because there's really no such thing as um, anything but stillness. But when consciousness has an idea and in, in, an intent behind that idea and produces thought, then that thought creates an electrical vector that will then polarize. And when, of course, electricity is polarized, it's uh, a branching off into two different directions. In Asian medicine, we call it yin and yang. But that polarization causes a vibration no different than when you pluck on a guitar string. Now that um, that stillness, uh, you know, with the dormant string is interrupted and you have that vibration, that polarization. And then that polarization, of course, is what we pick up in our senses that we decipher as a three-dimensional reality, which isn't anything of the such. But going back to the table of uh, elements, each one of those elements you can think of as an electrical vector along a waveform. So if we do pretend that, okay, maybe uh, all this is true and, and this is an electrical universe that is in fact uh, put into motion by our own thoughts that we are using to play on the universal canvas, which is all the you know nature that uh, you know shows us how we should be conducting our thoughts and therefore our creation, and then also of course our emotions, which are very toxic in the average individual these days. Emotions are what give thoughts the velocity to pop into the matrix, so to speak. And, uh, you know, you, you could think of it as maybe a business person that wants to start a venture and you have an idea and, uh, you know, you really don't have much passion behind it and, and you, you know, don't follow it up with a good amount of elbow grease, then your thought is really not going to manifest. But when you can couple, you know, the right kind of, uh, you know, elevated emotion with your thoughts, then, you know, that's how you become uh, you know, a creator of your own reality. And of course, we've all been given the gift of being able to um, create in our little coordinate of consciousness. And we use the elements as the, uh, you know, we'll say the, uh, what we use to paint in, uh, you know, on the universal canvas. So when you look at these elements, um, there's, he describes nine octaves, and when you talk about a waveform, a lot of this is abstract. And and you guys, you know, kind of guide me here if 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 we're not explaining this properly. But we uh, think of a waveform. Just think of a typical textbook where you have um, the up and down, and and you know the you have the peak and and the troughs of the wave, and then you have an equator through the middle of it, or you could think of just being out in the ocean surfing, you know, you see uh, waves building, building until you get a set, and then you see the predictable waveform that goes up and down. Well, those are actually electrical forces, and of course, the waves in the ocean are nothing more than a holographic representation of what we're talking about. So when you have one of these waves, he describes how there's nine different octaves and uh, seven tonal fields within each octave. So uh, a good way to understand this too is just think of a piano keyboard because we're really talking about um, you know tonal fields representing each of the elements on the um, elemental table. And so uh, in the fifth octave, that happens to be where humanity presently uh, you know plays quite a bit and where our consciousness is fixated. And in uh, the fifth octave, carbon is the apex. And uh, so that means when we say apex of a wave, that means it's uh, 90 degrees perpendicular uh, you know, to the equator of the wave. 
and it's stable within itself. That's why it's the backbone of our so-called physicality. And uh, being 90 degrees perpendicular, it's just like having a, a tent, you know, with a pole in the center holding it up. It's going to be stable, you know, when that axis, when the north-south axis is pointing straight up. So it's a very stable structure. And all of the other tonal fields within that octave or any of the other octaves occupy different angulations uh, along that same waveform. For instance, in the fifth octave, we get into our whole little area of the matrix in the fifth octave by way of a portal. And these portals are, uh, um, you know, you can think of them as stargates almost. And these are like the seeds, like the memory banks. You can even think of them as the Akashic records for that particular octave. So when uh, you enter into our realm of consciousness, uh, we have helium, that's the gatekeeper, and that is the portal that then starts the whole carbon backbone. And very interestingly, one of the um, you know, first elements, it appears in a vibratory level that allows us to register it in our physicality is, uh, is um, hydrogen. And Russell further explained how hydrogen is actually a whole octave within itself uh, or a whole tonal field, uh, even though it's um, uh, just re represented as a single uh, element on the table. So what we're talking about is electricity and electricity along specific vectors that creates all of the elements and all these elements, of course, give us the uh, 3D characteristics of everything we experience in our reality. And so when we think of something physical, uh, what we're really looking at is uh, a cyclic patterning of all these elements going up and down the scales of these electrical fields. And when you understand how elements in the ground as we think of them really operate, you know, they may have very long cycles of even thousands of years, but every uh, element in the ground is going to cycle through all of the other elements. You know, for instance, someday hydrogen will become carbon and so forth, and they'll all go back full circle. So nothing is fixated in a physical way or a distinct entity as we think of in the physical world. These are actually electrical forces predictably cycling through a, a universal code and giving us all the dimensions and characteristics that we experience. So um, I'll let you jump in because I could keep going for a while, but um, uh, do you have any questions so far or would you like to direct it in a way? Well, I'll make a statement and then I'm going to get Jason in here. Um, let me try to frame a couple of the important ideas that you just brought forth out of Russell's work. First of all, the idea of prima materia. It's a philosophical idea and that meshes well with Walter Russell's one. But to get back to the point, I'm going to divert for a second to reference the world craziness going on right now, the pandemic, to point out that you just illustrated very nicely how our consciousness creates this canvas, this, this world that we're living in. So consider the false idea. There's your building block, but it needs emotion to be launched, doesn't it? And the emotion used in this case was fear. And I think these are important ideas for people to, you know, what we're talking about can be correlated one-to-one -one with the real existing world. And that's why it's so exciting. So let's go back to the periodic table. What struck me as I got into his taking apart and basically stating what I had already thought, that, that the elements were shown as elements are really not elemental at all. 
even according to the description. But if I'm not mistaken, it's been over two years since I actually looked at the table from from Russell. So correct me if I mess this up. But there's eight levels. Is that right? I think there's eight levels in the table. But the first one is all gases. Yeah. Um, technically, there's nine. But but yeah, eight. Fine. Um, you know, we're talking about the same thing. And yeah, that's true. Uh, hydrogen, you know, uh, initially gases. But then, you know, all you're talking about when you're distinguishing one element from another is a pressure zone. So, uh, you know, we already use the analogy, not really an analogy. It's actually the way it literally works. It's their tonal fields. And think of a, a pipe organ where the um, musician is working the foot pedals in order to build up pressure in order to reach the different octaves up and down. And that's exactly the way nature works. And so, for instance, if you take an element in any of the octaves, um, it's gaining pressure in order to make its journey through octave to octave, make it through the portals, which we call the inert gases, and go on you know, through like an ascension process uh, through all the various octaves. And so it can return uh, to, you know, full journey and back to the beginning again. And so uh, when you're talking about pressure zones, it really explains a lot of concepts that we think of, uh, you know, including gravity, including, um, you know, electrical vectors that then we call magnetism and things like that, because all you're talking about is a appearance of motion. There's no such thing as motion. If you think of a wave, we think of it as a forward moving spiral, three dimensional, you know, a wave is actually three dimensional spiral. And these elements again, occupy different angulations or vectors along that spiral. But in reality, that spiral isn't moving either. Uh, what's happening is you have a moment by moment cancellation of two different forces. And again, all they are is electrical vortexes going in opposite directions. Uh, one takes information and say you, you have a thought and that thought is an informational field. That's all it is. And, you know, we'd go a long way understanding these principles if we just understood how our computer work. We put informational fields or software into our devices and then it does things. Well, that's, uh, you know, pretty much what we're doing with our, our consciousness every moment. Now, the forces uh, that compact information into, uh, you know, a data that, can, that then can vibrate in a coarse enough range to register to our senses, uh, that is like a, um, it, it's a, it's a spiral that's going from a wide base into a pinpoint, um, you know, uh, like a cone, the, the end of a cone and compressing data very compactly in a centripetal way. And then simultaneously that information is radiated in an opposite direction in a centrifugal manner where it's going in an opposite cone going back into a base and these think of it as an electric hydraulic pump that's constantly creating the next moment of your individual as well as our collective experience so uh, a good analogy to think of in in this uh, situation is a movie you know it seems real and you really get into it but you know you're not you're failing to really perceive the the lines between the frames. Well, creation, the way we put it into our reality, is the same sort of thing. And so now going back to that spiral, 
or the wave, it's really not a wave that's moving because it's 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 really motionless. It's still and then the uh, the dual uh, forces opposing each other, creating canceling, creating canceling, uh, give you the appearance of motion and everything we experience no different than a movie, only it's in a very vivid, intense, three-dimensional form. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll point out in the book, The Universal One, everything you're describing, there are hand-drawn, how would you describe it? It's not a schematic, but it shows. He hand-draws these systems so that you can start to understand, but I'll, I'll draw the, the conclusion that I came to. It was so refreshing to see when I got through this, I realized someone who's, say, a doctor like you, concerned with healing people, if you use this framework of thought, a few things happen. First of all, there is nothing but the whole. You, you can't come at this piecemeal. Everything is connected. And secondarily, everything's alive in the way we would think about it. Um, and it really would change the way that science kind of piecemeals things out and like almost down to the point where I say it all the time, you know, I got a problem with my foot. I got to go to the foot doctor. Well, how in the hell is it that a foot doctor or any doctor doesn't have the ability to treat the person as a whole? After all, the foot is connected to the human body. And in the Russell schematic working of things, uh, there's no separating it down, is there? No matter what you're doing, you have to recognize it as part of the whole. Absolutely. And the first thing you find is that, um, and, and of course, just being out farming or surfing or any of these other things is the way you really learn this stuff, is that uh, nature has patterns and predictable methodologies. And so if you understand that even elements in the ground are cyclic and are not fixated into one distinct animal, but one becomes the other, then you also see how, for instance, in microbiology, it's the same thing. So when I go into uh, you know areas of medicine and infectious diseases, we think of it, I'm uh, seeing it and I observe it under the microscope changing before my very eyes that microbes act in the same way. So if somebody says, oh, you have, we cultured streptococcus in your throat, we know that that seed is in our body and actually a cyclic progression and operates according to the same principles and serves a very beneficial function, uh, you know, as the elements in the ground. And you also see that as, as soon as um, you understand that as soon as uh, your thought is polarized in creating those vibrations, uh, you know, that creates a tension between the two polarities and forevermore, uh, those polarities will be seeking balance either with each other or with different elements. So that gives the understanding that nature, which includes our bodies, is always seeking balance and has built in natural biological mechanisms that are self-correcting, self-maintaining. And if you understand how they work and how to work with them, then, uh, you know, you don't have to do stupid things to interfere with that process. So uh, patterns, you know, as above, so below and, you know, know yourself and you'll know the universe. Well, it's true. If you just 
can really wrap your mind around any one pattern in nature, then you know that that's going to be holographically mimicked on every other single level. So you don't really have to reinvent the wheel, you know, uh, whether you're in a particular endeavor like medicine or engineering or music or otherwise, you know, the whole ball of wax just by understanding the universal picture. And then uh, for myself uh, in the practice of medicine, I realized that, uh, you know, diagnosis is a big thing in my training. And we, uh, you know, you have to diagnose in order to treat. Well, our diagnosis has been inverted. What we do is we look at all the minutia after effects, uh, you know, on a biological level, musculoskeletal level, you know, whatever. And, and then you get lost the force between the trees. So you have to have a way to invert the diagnostic process and be able to discern what the solution is. Now, that's something that would stretch the imagination of most doctors. But I can say from my own experience and the methodologies that I use, uh, you go to solution. And then when you know the solution, then you can follow it downstream and understand exactly how the person got there in the first place. And if the informational fields, for instance, are crystallized in such a way in what we think of as a physical body, then we can employ all sorts of modalities, you know, to help in both directions. But of course, if a person sooner or later doesn't get the idea that they're putting all of this in motion themselves in the first place and, and, and even carrying it between lifetimes, then it's going to be very hard to get out of the same old train tracks. And uh, the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you jump in, is that, you know, what people think of as reincarnation can be explained beautiful with the same model. And just like, you know, my apple trees out in the orchard here uh, look like they're deader in the doornail, you know, at the end of every fall. And now I look out and they've got nice new blossoms and pretty soon they'll bear fruit. Well, they're just uh, going through a reincarnation of sorts because they have the informational fields that just repattern electrically year after year after year. And people do the same exact thing. We carry with us the seeds of, uh, you know, the Akashic records, and this gets into inert gases and some fun stuff that Walter work, uh, talks about. But, you know, we carry with us the same patterns uh, through our lifetimes and, you know, mm -hmm. re-enter another embodiment, which gives us another opportunity to connect the dots and maybe someday even get off the wheel. So, um, you know, it, it just explains so much when you understand the universal principles. And, you know, if some of these ideas, for instance, like reincarnation, step on the toes of conventional religions, well, you can go into certain scriptures and even find that Jesus was talking about reincarnation. So um, go ahead, Crow. Well, there's so much here to what you're saying, and it's it's almost like there there is a demonstrable divinity in this system. There's not a human being alive that could create a fish or any part of the system. So it almost appears like what's happened is all these artificial systems, which are pretty much embodied in the word science at this point, um, are doing everything they can to protect themselves from what's naturally provable. People like Russell trying to demonstrate, look, uh, we don't need all this artificiality. There's all these perfect systems here already, but a good example of that might be cymatics. Jason and I have taken time to show that somewhere along the line, cymatics was just hidden. We can find places where the patterns, the cymatic patterns, are carved in stone 
They were so important. And yet, if you go out to even try to find a map of frequencies and cymatic patterns, best you can do is these crappy hand-drawn things from a guy named Gladney, and it's not even complete. And it starts to appear that the artificial systems have done everything they can to cover up the truths people like Russell are trying to bring forward to show, hey, man, there's this, you can't describe it as any other way than divine, this godly system that is so perfect that there is no lie in it when you go out in nature. It is what it is, and it never needs a new tank of gas, and it will continue to do what it does. But how does it work? And that's what Russell was seeking for. But what do you think? I mean, even the idea of cymatics, people, I had piano tuners come in and holler at me because I said 440 is an unhealthy frequency. And we demonstrated why it was. And we said 432 or other things were closer to something that we could claim as healthier or more compatible with the human body. But you see, these people had been trained in this disparate artificial system, not being able to relate it back. Uh, to the system as a whole. And this all is embodied in the idea of cymatics. I mean, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. And Walter Russell, you know, a lot of us like to say he actually proved the existence of a creator or God. And, uh, you know, because it's inescapable, the more you understand what he's talking right. about is that there has to be a universal intelligence. And cymatics, I would say that the average person could learn more uh, by watching a YouTube on cymatics and going through an MIT physics doctoral because right there you're just simply applying tonal fields and watching perfect geometric shapes form. So I, obviously there, it, you know, it's it's about toning and it's about uh, that creating the geometry that gives us what we think of as a three dimensionality within this um, simulation. And I call it a simulation because I don't know what else to call it because it's not physical. And isn't it interesting that um, all of science that I had to go through, you know, the mathematics and, and, and all that sort of thing are constantly bringing you into externalization as the only way to prove the validity of something, you know, double blind studies and all these things that we take so seriously. And, you know, I'll talk about things from time to time and people will say, you know, I have to chuckle, you know, they'll just go right into, well, I'd like to see the double blind studies and so forth. Well, you know, that's completely inverted because when you understand the electrical principles at play, um, you know, the actual idea, the consciousness, it's capable of producing idea in the first place is not in those after effects. Those are just after uh, after the fact vibrations that register on our senses. And, you know, another thing people have to understand is, is if you say, you know, a lot of people are throwing around quantum and electric universe and all sorts of concepts, but then we fall back into the same box and, and even into the same box of allopathy, you know, even in naturopathy where we just end up doing things maybe a little greener, less toxically or less invasively, but we always fall back to the same mental programming of this being physical in the first place. So when you're looking at things that, okay, everything is a product of these electrical forces, then why on earth would you be so intent on trying to prove things by the after effects rather than just going again upstream and understanding how it all got there in the first place? So our whole thinking, our whole method of science has been inverted, um, you know, simple demonstrations in cymatics. Uh, as you mentioned, are you know going to teach us more about how the universe works than anything else. When you look at frequencies like 432, well, 
again, when you go into tonal fields, what you're really describing is are those uh, mathematical codes uh, that are followed within universal patterns that create perfect symmetry. And that symmetry then outpours or, or outpictures as balance in the environment, balance in our bodies, uh, uh, you know, and balance uh, between human relations. But what, because of our ignorance and because of a lot of things we're subjected to, including bad music, it creates these asymmetries, which then have to outpicture on every dimension of our being. And so when I practice uh, medicine, you know, I'm retired now, but I've spent 40 years in the field of uh, biological medicine or bioterrain medicine, where we understand that you don't treat disease, you don't treat symptoms, you treat the body. And it's about restoring body on every level, including into the microbiology. And um, so uh, what I do is I take uh, certain, well, a lot of different methodologies, but I'll just mention too, uh, the some of the labs that I do, you're assessing things uh, by extracting elements out of uh, fluids from the body, but then you take those uh, elements and you plot them mathematically in an equation that gives you a line of resistance so that you can understand those elements as a byproduct of those electrical forces. And then uh, with those forces, you can understand what quadrant of a you know, let's go back to the idea of perfect spheres, uh, you know, created by nature. And those spheres, then, if you have a, a nice balance, you're going to have a north-south, uh, you know, polar axis, and you're going to have two east-west polar axes, which are going to create a nice three-dimensional sphere if all of those are in balance. But when we have asymmetries with, uh, you know, tones that are toxic or, or all the other things we do to ourselves, then that is going to skew, you know, one of those, uh, you know, north, south or east, west uh, directions. And you're going to have distorted shapes, which then have to outpicture in your reality, in your health and, and everything we do as a collective on this planet. So, um, you know, we use chemistry in order to understand the electricity. And there's a way we do that through a process we call ionization analysis. And again, that's just one of many things we do. The other thing that I use is I use what's called a Lecker antenna, which was developed by an Austrian physicist. And it's a dual impedance antenna. And a dual impedance antenna is like two uh, strands, just like DNA is configured the same way. And Walter Russell, um, you know, described how there are 18 dimensions to a waveform and how those different dimensions would give us the characteristics in our physicality that makes us think that there's all these parts that have, you know, different, uh, different characteristics, when in reality, it's just different dimensions of the same exact thing. So when we use the dual impedance antenna, which uh, Ernst Lecker, who is a brilliant physicist and engineer, he just coincidentally created this uh, this uh, uh, device so that it has 18 different dimensions. Now, I don't, I've tried to uh, study this, but I haven't found any literature to tell me one way or the other, but I was wondering if he was a student of Walter Russell himself. But uh, again, he came to the same conclusion. Now on this instrument, you can calibrate into any dimension and you can also, um, you know, there's many increments within each dimension. And in the field of engineering, it's in use to this day, 
they uh, use it to discern, you know, different ground forces and things in order to build suitable structures that can withstand all the forces and, and understand that that site is going to be compatible with what they're trying to uh, build. So it's a real hardcore engineering device. But it brings in all these concepts. Now, this has been also adapted to medicine by a lot of other brilliant people, a lot of medical doctors around the world that understand this, use this. So when I'm uh, tuning into this, uh, into a body or into a plant when I'm outside farming, which I use it quite a bit, then I can find out where the distortions in those uh, polar axes are and where Things are skewed, you know, more in the, in the north, south or east, west direction. And then I can correlate that with uh, all sorts of different things that help me understand at the level of the actual creative waveform, which gives you the solution, what you need to do. Then I can use all manner of things to um, interact with that instrument and that reading to see what's going to bring back symmetry. Sometimes I can simply... Um, you know, project a waveform with that instrument and get in an instant fix. Sometimes we need to go to areas on the ground, you know, in the soil, you know, for farming or in the body of a person where things are a little bit more crystallized and you need a little bit more elbow grease in order to employ everything from anything from acupuncture to homeopathy to spagyric medicines to see what is going to bring that symmetry back. And then when you find the solutions or the, uh, the the measures that you have to take based on the solution you already have, then it tells you a whole story of what's going on in the body, in the soil. And you get to answer all those questions of why that medics, traditional medics and scientists never even ask in the first place, let alone believe that there's a way to ask. So, um, you know, we live in a wonderful time where all this information is available and uh, uh, many of us are starting to connect the dots. We can employ technologies that are living interactive technologies rather than technologies that are externalized uh, by electronics and, and computer interface and distort those energy fields that, you know, would impede getting a clear reading on this level of uh, electrical activity that we're talking about. No different than Tesla's uh, production of electricity, you know, based on pulling the very refined electrical currents directly out of the atmosphere rather than feeding them, you know, through wires and things the way we do and giving us dirty energy. You know, one of the big things about symmetry that would help people consider some of the things you just said is one of the ideas of beauty in our world can be shown. Symmetry is beautiful. A human face that is symmetrical is beautiful. Asymmetry is often described as ugly or not as valued. Um, look at a flower, that symmetry that's going on. But what people don't realize is you mentioned bad music, that there's asymmetry. Some of the things we call music, in my, from my view, are not even music. But that asymmetry permeating your life eventually affects the way you think about things. And it's to the point where we did a couple shows. One was the magical or mystical world of color, and the other one was on cymatics. And I thought people would be wowed when they were basically told point blank what this is. Look, here's nothing. That's just a plate with nothing. We're going to put a creative force on it. We're going to introduce some matter, and boom, you just saw form and function created out of thin air. The ultimate magic trick. And it went right over people's heads. And we came back and we tried to show colors no different. 
And in hour two, we're going to get into spagyrics. And we tried to show, look, when the old time spagyrist, the old time alchemist went out to the garden, he looked and he saw that flower was blue. Instantly, he knew a plethora of information about that particular plant just from the color alone. And that relates directly to what's being shown in cymatics and directly in what you were describing in symmetry and asymmetry. But I, if you agree with me, I think people could get a grasp on the idea of symmetry is a beautiful face is almost always symmetrical. Beautiful music is almost always symmetrical. Um, but this asymmetry has deviantly been inserted into so many artificial systems that it's almost like we're, we become addicted for lack of a better word on this kind of malformed asymmetrical thinking. If you follow. Yeah. And we have to understand there are vested interests on this planet that understand every word of what we're talking about and beyond because they have used this to hijack us at the mental plane. And on the mental plane, you know, that is our creative potential. And so that's why they have inverted and created a mirror image of everything we experience and everything we're taught so that we are creating their world and not the vision we want to see of the world. And we're always questioning, well, why the heck doesn't uh, world peace happen? And, and, you know, why can't we find the cure for cancer? Well, you know, we're, we're playing in the wrong box uh, altogether. You know, Buck Minister Fuller, you know, said it best when he said, you know, you don't get in there and, and try to figure things out with where they're at, you know, you've got to develop a whole new system. Walter Russell did that. And, you know, Walter Russell, uh, his contemporaries uh, sought him out. The royalty of uh, Europe sought him out. Um, you know, he's just a brilliant, uh, you know, composer and artist and, and scientist. He was developing, uh, you know, energy devices uh, as Tesla was. Uh, he was in communication with Tesla. In fact, Tesla told him, look, Walter, just put your stuff in a time capsule. Maybe in another thousand years, people will be ready for it. But but the thing is, is these principles are uh, applicable more than ever. And the reason why Walter Russell isn't taught in our schools is because it would disprove every other thing that we are taught. <laughs> and especially in the field of yeah. And Walter, of course, said, you know, this material that I'm describing is not difficult to learn. Uh, in fact, he admonished people not to be educated beyond the fourth grade level because then they would just have more to unlearn and it would be more difficult to wrap their mind around what he was talking about. Fortunately, for whatever reason, you know, I did a lot of school. But, uh, you know, being kind of a, a surfer, surfer renegade type, I always just sort of intuitively called BS on everything. And, uh, you know, and I kind of went through the ropes, uh, but then never took it that serious. So, you, you know, I learned the language so I could play with those guys and understand where they're coming from and, and talk and those terminologies, but never took it seriously. And, and again, when you just go out and be in nature and then, you know, use your intellect uh, to, you know, to read things like, uh, Walter Russell, Victor Schauberger, Tesla, and understand what these people were all really doing, you know, uh, Rudolf Steiner, um, then, you know, light bulbs really start coming on. And, you know, a, a thing that I think is really valuable now is, you know, a lot of us that dabble in these uh, 
in alternative sciences and metaphysics, you know, it's fun because it's it's kind of mystical and you're exploring new territories and it's it's very exciting. But I think we're at a point in time where we really need to demystify everything and understand that metaphysics is really real physics. And what we're taught in school as physics is actually woo-woo. And we also have to understand that um, these things can be uh, logically approached. And, you know, I uh, was fortunate I got a little tail end of the old school education that taught you critical thinking and, and you know, just classical logic. And, you know, when you learn what they're teaching now in universities and science, it, it doesn't even... Uh, past the muster of classical logic. In fact, a lot of uh, theories in science and medicine wouldn't even hold up in a court of law because it's all theoretical and, and uh, circumstantial. And it just blows my mind. Ideas, that, uh, you just know, ideas. All these learned, yeah, yeah. And cymatics, you know, like I, I share, you know, your feeling, you know, when I watched that uh, YouTube on cymatics and just saw that happening, you know, even though I understood the principles, when I just saw that simple little video, my mind was blown. I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. This is actually right. proving out what I think I know. And then, uh, you know, if you did a show on that, people didn't grasp that. It's it is interesting why that wouldn't blow everybody's mind. Seems like it proves that the entire universe is frequency, which is something that's not generally accepted, but we've discussed many, many times. Exactly. And there's a lot of uh, other areas where people have, you know, for instance, uh, the Japanese uh, gentleman, uh, his name escapes me at the moment, but who's done a lot of work with water. And then he looks at water under the electron light microscope and... Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And and you see these just beautiful symmetrical crystallizations of water molecules, and then and and then you subject them to you know toxic emotions and 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 toxic chemicals, and then they turn into these kind of ugly crystallizations. So uh, again, when you just observe and then reproduce what you observe in nature. It, as you stated best, it creates this beauty and symmetry. It creates harmony in our feelings. It creates uh, a disposition where, you know, you wouldn't hurt a fly, but it also creates a, a disposition where you wouldn't allow another entity to encroach within your coordinate of consciousness because you say, no, that's, this is my playground. This is my canvas. You don't get to interfere. And so simultaneously, we have people, you know, reproducing uh, problems and then at the same time, allowing other forces that, you know, you call them governments or authority figures to encroach upon our space and dictate to us, you know, what we should or shouldn't be doing. And right now we're in a precarious position. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting close to the top of hour one here. And, you know, look at Emoto's work. That seems like magic to us. Why does that seem like magic? Because we've been taught all this asymmetrical nonsense, artificial systems that require lying and subterfuge and the hiding of cymatics and all these things that we have access to that would prove these artificial systems are asymmetric. They're against nature. Nature is divine. I don't know how else to say these things. Would you rather live in a harmonious world or a dissonant world? Right now, your world is dissonant. What is the creative force being applied? Well, it's a lie, but it's powered by fear, that emotion. Remember, 
all the talk we have about spells. What is the one thing you got to have to cast your little spell? It's high states of emotion. Right now, the creative force is fear. Do you want to live in that world, that dissonant kind of artificial, nonsensical world, or do we want to get back to harmony? And people can go out and pick up Walter Russell's Universal One and start to look at a man who woke up one day and say, wait a minute, man, everything we know is wrong here. And who's this jackass Einstein who only had one suit, by the way? So, Dr. Lando, can you one more time tell people where they can get a hold of you if you choose to? You're already a member at crow777radio.com, so you can show up in the comments underneath. That can be your contact if you so choose. Sure. Um, We like to publicize just a little bit what we're doing because uh, these days we're about farming. Uh, We actually teach outreach programs to the community about permaculture because we really believe things need to be decentralized. And as we enter uh, a phase of history here with food shortages and a lot of other things, uh, we need as communities to come together, grow our own food, have alternatives for commerce and have commerce being uh, a conscious engine rather than just a money machine in order to drive a culture and to make community self-sufficient. So at alphavedic.com, we're about to launch a new website here. It's going to talk about our agricultural co-op. We do formulate our own products and things that we use as a commercial engine to self-fund because we don't want to be dependent on government grants and all those sorts of things that would possibly um, dictate to us, you know, uh, a different way that we need to do things. So, you know, uh, we all appreciate support and that's how you can find me. All right. I'm guessing that Dr. Berlando will show up in comments under this episode, which will be 211. And uh, he can communicate with people there. He can post his web address and do other things. Join us all over at crow777radio.com for the second hour. And we're going to cover a lot of things that from my point of view are real from my point of view have been hidden because understanding real things undermines artificial things and we live in a pretty asymmetric artificial world at the moment and it is driven by lies and why is it driven by lies because things that don't stand up on their own have to be propped up and if anyone brings a bright enough flashlight into the room it all falls apart And we've got a path in front of us. Are we going to go for this fear, pandemic nonsense? Or are we going to demand something better for our children? That remains to be seen. Anyhow, join us over at crow777radio.com. That is the only crow site for hour two. There it is, man. Cheers.